Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome back, fight fans, to the big fight reaction to Amir Khan and Kelbrook this past weekend. Luke, big dog Luke, joins me on this episode, standing in for Johnston. Uh, an, an adequate replacement, I'd like to say. Not just adequate, a great replacement. I'm really happy that you've come on to do this episode with me, and I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued to hear your thoughts about this fight. I mean, both of us, on our preview show for BTR, said, you know, we think Khan's going to do this, and as soon as he got touched, he was like Bambi on ice. Well, first off, I like being serviceable. Second off, woof, woof. And third, it just looked like Khan can't take a punch anymore. The punch resistance is just very bad. Yeah, it, it certainly did that. I mean, we, we've always known that his punch resistance hasn't been the greatest in the world. But he has shown he can take some big shots and eat them up multiple times where we've seen him get through these fights and I suppose that's what's made him an exciting fighter for a long time is that danger element of of him being hurt and knocked out you know quite easily but he seemed to start off okay first couple of rounds I felt like you know maybe his speed will will overthrow Brooke like I was saying in our preview episode for it I thought maybe the speed will prevail but it was certainly the timing and the power that prevailed and Kelbrook just shown us that He's still got a little something left, contrary to what I thought. He's still got a little something left in the tank. Can can Kel Brook now, can he go on and do anything else in boxing? Can he have another big fight before he calls it a day, or should he just call it a day now? I think the thing with Kel Brook is he's just going to be on like kind of like the washed-up guy tour, where it's like he's going to, like, I think we've planned out his future. He's going to fight the Sons of Legends. Let's do the Nigel Benz famous. Let's fight Connor Ben, Chris Eubank, one of the biggest icons of British boxing. Let's fight his son. I don't think we're going to see Kel Brook fight anyone where it's a meaningful fight to the top of the division, but I do think he's going to have 
a couple of these real entertaining stadium-like shows to end out his career. And maybe he can sneak out a win in one of these fights. I'm genuinely surprised that he had more left in the tank than what I thought he was. And I suppose we won't really know the answer to that until he fights somebody who is not on the decline like Khan was. I mean, I forgot doing that preview episode, being totally honest. I forgot that Khan had been out for quite a long time out of the ring. I didn't realise until they started talking about it on Saturday. I was like, has he really been out of the ring for that long? And I was like, hmm, maybe, maybe after doing the episode... My prediction probably started to wane over to Kell Brook, knowing that he'd been out for so long. And I suppose as soon as I seen him get hit by a stiff jab and his legs were going all over the show, straight away I knew he was finished. That, that for me, said Khan is finished. Uh, and I don't want to be so negative about the whole thing. It was an entertaining fight. We did, we did have this conversation about the fact that they're both declining. Would it make it more entertaining? Well, it certainly made it more entertaining for me. Uh, but I don't want to be overly negative about it because I think we need to step back a little bit and just respect the fact that Amir Khan has, has had a fantastic career and now it's time for him, certainly him, to call this a day. Yeah, I mean, for me, the big thing about this Khan situation is the neither one of them looked like their prime version of themselves, you know? And it's like, even though Kelbrook won, it felt like he just had a little bit more left. It didn't look like I was like, man, I can't wait to see uh, Kelbrook in there with Virgil Ortiz, or I'd love to see Kelbrook take on Tim Zhu. Like, it, it's pretty obvious he's not at that level anymore. It's just Khan, basically, this was all that he had left, and even that little bit, because this Khan, would this Khan have beaten Julio Diaz? Would this Khan have beaten Samuel Vargas? I don't think so. Like, this Khan didn't even have that go that he he was able to pull through in some of those fights where he had those shaky performances in this fight he basically looked like he was running on fumes yeah yeah he did i agree with you on that i think it kind of felt like he was just he was just spent he said it in an interview afterwards he had an interview with sky sports in the locker room and they spoke about that obvious question you know is it is it time to call time on your boxing career and khan pretty much said i'm not in love with the sport anymore and he's obviously not been in love with the sport for a little while. But this was this was a clear payday. Like most people felt it was. It was a payday. And I felt like for Brook it meant more than it did for what it meant to Khan. It obviously meant a lot more to Kel Brook. And you could see by the emotion on his and his team's face at the end of the fight. And also what was quite interesting, I don't know if you noticed this, that uh, on underneath his gloves on his wraps, he had, I, he had wrote on them, I told you so, on his wraps. And he was like, he was confident clearly that he was going to go into this fight and he was going to go do a number on Khan. I mean, I've said this on my show and I'll say it here. It felt a little weird how celebratory Kel Brook was because it's like Khan to me after 2011, we never saw him really after Danny Garcia. He took the two losses, Lamont Peterson, which was a pretty shaky decision. I think most people feel like Khan won, but it's like one of the weird times where like, a referee deducts two points for pushing, which I've never seen um, since, you know, and then he gets knocked out by Danny Garcia. He kind of rebuilt, but I never really saw that same passion Khan had in that after the Prescott, because when I think of Amir Khan, I think of two acts of Amir Khan. I think of Freddie Roach when he was at the wild card, when it was the wild card summer, it was Jorge Linares. It was Amir Khan. It was Manny Pacquiao. They're all coming to HBO. Freddie Roach is the biggest trainer. And it was just like, explosive fast vibrant offensive and goes with virgil hunter virgil hunter gives him two amazing performances against devin alexander and louis Colazzo. 
But it felt like with Virgil, what Virgil was doing was trying to prolong his career. So he was no longer nearly as exciting. And I felt like in that Virgil Hunter stage, he learned how to make it a job. Like the passion was out and he was just strictly looking for where can I get the biggest fights? And that was evident when he was calling out Mayweather. Birdo is getting the Mayweather fight. He's like, I want the Mayweather fight. Kind of just takes the Canelo fight just to get paid. So I say all that stuff to say him beating Kelbrook being this excited. It felt like Khan isn't even the Khan that we look back on and say that was the great fighter. No one's going to really give him credit because they fought way too late in their careers and they both passed the prime. I think you've got to have respect for what Amir Khan's done in his career. And I do hugely for what he's achieved in his career. But did he need to be in there? He didn't. Did Kelbrook really need to be in there? Well, obviously he felt he did and his team felt he needed that. And it was obvious by the reaction at the end, they needed that victory. And they will move on and they will have a couple of more fights, maybe big name fights like the Benz, like the Eubanks. I honestly can't see world level for for Kelbrook now. I see big domestic clashes here in the UK that will put bums on seats, that will sell tickets and get put on pay-per-view and and, and money will be earned from the back of it. And I think that's where Kelbrook's career is. And it's just, it's, for me, it's just a big, it's a big shame that they fought too late because it's always going to be on everybody's mind now, what if, no matter what, the pundits say at Sky Sports when it was broadcast here in the UK and they said, oh, well, Kel Brooks put this statement on his legacy. How much of a defining win really is this when it's a shot to bit Khan? It's, it's a terrible defining legacy. But I mean, the thing is, to me, Amir Khan has the more interesting resume and he mattered more to the general public. Kel Brook, I think for most pundits, we feel like he was more the vastly the more technical fighter and probably the superior fighter, just being a more well-rounded guy. That being said, he didn't impact culture nearly as much as Amir Khan. I think he always felt that he was a better fighter and Amir Khan had the push and the media behind him. And when you look at Kel Brook's career, it's going to be kind of hard to explain it a generation or two from now, because you're going to be like, this guy was really good, but he, took a loss to Golovkin. It basically ruined whatever his prime was. Then he gets beat up by Errol Spence. And then he kind of just is around. He he fights Crawford, looks like a journeyman, comes out of that fight, beats Khan, who looks like that. And now he's going to take on the Sons of Legends. It's really, really a strange career thinking that he could have been like in the position Connor Ben was maybe eight years ago. I don't think, no matter what Kelbrook does now, I don't think he's... I don't think his legacy will be remembered like he wants it to be. I mean, for me personally, I think if after that Sean Porter win, you know, that is his defining moment in his boxing career. Everything else after that is simply, to me, quite irrelevant. And it might sound really harsh and it might sound like I'm doing a bit of Kelbrook bashing here, but it's frustration as a fan more than anything because we've seen him as a talented fighter over the years and we've seen that he's got this potential but for him to then come back after these losses to Golovkin and Spence and, and fight guys that really are, are a level below him and, and not getting the bigger names, you know, I would have preferred it for Kelbrook if he would have healed up, got got well, come back and had big fights. And then if he loses them big fights, say back to back, you can't argue with the fact that he's tried. For me, it's a kind of what if situation now, like with Kelbrook. Like when he retires eventually, it's going to be. 
you know, what what could have his career been if he would have took different fights at different times? And and I suppose we can't dwell on it too much, but it, it kind of leaves that question hanging in my mind about Kell Brook. But for Amir Khan, I'm, I'm kind of saying, like, look, he took this fight. It was a clear payday. He clearly wasn't motivated. He's openly pretty much said that in the aftermath of this. I, I think he's had a fantastic career. I think given his fragilities, i.e. his his inability to to take a good shot or sustain good shots throughout the course of a fight what he's done throughout his career i think he's he's quite impressive quite uh, a legacy building career i think he will be remembered like you say uh, by the british fight fans a lot more than kel brook will be once he's said it been and gone uh, and it's sad really because kel brook could have had something more I, I think the whole situation was just kind of a last minute thing for amir khan a cash grab for khan uh, trying to for Kelbrook, it was trying to get his legacy, trying to have some sort of legacy to go on. But I honestly think like the only pe- the only thing we're going to remember him by now, really, is two things: winning against Sean Porter and losing to Golovkin horribly. Uh, yeah, Kel's in a weird spot. I mean, I think that the an easy way I look at it is Amir Khan got the most out of his career. You know, Olympian. He gets knocked out multiple times and we still are engaged because it's like he had this persona. I think also like the career arc of Khan, he kind of came in. A lot of people looked at him as kind of like this privileged kid who was very arrogant, who had kind of this skill set that you don't think would work. Then when it wasn't working consistently, I feel like people were kind of like, well, he's actually really a nice guy and he's very um gracious to the media like he never disappeared at the press conferences he shows up at the kelbrook press conference talks to the media and i think there was a story where the general public wanted to see Khan do well at a certain point whereas kelbrook is kind of like one of these figures where i i love boxing and what is the kelbrook story you know it's like he he fought on undercards he beats sean porter goes back to obscurity has a, a footnote in history that's cautionary in boxing and then kind of thinks he's con like that's kind of his story he kind of thinks he should be in that position and then gets this win and in his mind it felt like he thought this makes my legacy right i won this fight at the end of my career i'm gonna be the better fight of the era and i think the harsh reality for kel brook is people just don't care they're just gonna choose con over him I think people will choose Khan in terms of accolades and achievements, but it's we're going back to this conversation we was having on your show. Uh, if anybody hasn't checked it out yet, please do go and check it out on ITR Boxing's YouTube channel as well. We were talking about this a few nights back about the fact that you know this whole uh, boxing fans being engaged on social media and and how the you know they bash fighters and they want to know contract negotiations. And the reason I bring this back up again is because like I think people have this perception of Amir Khan uh, of being quite arrogant and quite uh, a not-so-nice guy. And and I think unless you've actually met the guy or been around him, uh, it's hard to sort of make that judgment. And I think platforms like social media do give fight fight fans the opportunity to, to make their own interpretation. And I think people will look at it and go... Oh yeah, well, you know, he wasn't that good, Amir Khan. But how, how can you say that? And like people, I think people do blow smoke up Kell Brook's ass a little bit, like in terms of what he's done in boxing. I'm a British boxing fan, and, and obviously have been uh, as as long as I can remember. But I'm going to look at Kell Brook's career, and I'm going to say underachieved. That that's the one word I think of it, underachieved. That's what he's done. He's underachieved throughout his career. Has he overachieved? 
I mean, people are going to have these debates. Winning the world title was always, I think, in the stars for him. It was always his destiny to win a world title. He had the talent. And when I talk about underachievement, I mean in the sense that I think he could have gone on and, and won another world title in the welterweight division. I think he could have held at least two. I think if things would have gone right for him and he would have made the right choices and his team would have made the right choices, he could have gone up to 154 and possibly won a world title if his career path was plotted out in a better way. But there's nothing, there's nothing we can say or do now about that. At the end of the day, that this is it now. He's, his legacy is Sean Porter losing to Golovkin and a, and a win against a shot to Bit Carnes. And I don't think that's a great legacy to leave behind, personally speaking. But that's that's just my opinion. I'm, I'm sure there's many people that will disagree with me, but that's just what I think about the way Kel Brook's career has gone. Also kind of comes off as like a superhero villain, like bitterly targets Khan for his whole career. Like a lot of his motivations was just to be better than Khan or to insult Khan rather than a lot of motivation on himself. And I feel like people that dwell too much in the negativity, boxers, not that interested. So like that's another thing on top of over or underachieving. It also felt like he was kind of a negative person. Well, you got to remember, Khan didn't have to give Brook this fight. Khan was the A-side, innit? No matter what people say about Kel Brook and Amir Khan, Amir Khan was the draw. He was the draw. He was the A-side in that fight. If he wouldn't have... If it, this would have been Kel Brook versus somebody else, the Manchester Arena wouldn't have been filled out. It was filled out because Amir Khan is a draw, and he always has been a draw. We've always had high expectations, and he's delivered on those high expectations and he's challenged himself and he's stepped up and he's lost and we can as as a fight fan I've always I've always endeared to a fighter when they have took that extra step and that extra challenge and yeah if they lose then I'll hold my hands up and say you know what they tried they they tried they went for them fights but when you look at other fighters whether it be British fighters US fighters whoever if they go throughout their career and fighting sort of average level, European level opponents, maybe get that world title, but then don't go on to achieve anything more in the sport. For me, it's just I just kind of feel disappointed that I know they could have done more, and why didn't they do more? And it just comes back to that whole conversation about like when the fighters, you know, when they pit their opponents, when they have that say in that that meeting with the people around them, like. How much of it is influenced by by the fighter themselves, uh, or is it just a a whole team decision, or is it just the promoter saying, "Look, here's a fight for you. It's going to be a relatively state state straightforward test, and you'll get paid for it." And that's that. I mean, what what do you think about these sorts of involvements with with fighters in their teams, and you know how they can have an influence or a lack of an influence on on what sort of fights they end up taking throughout the course of the career? It just feels like Brooke was always in Khan's shadow and he got sick of being in his shadow. And there were people, as you said, probably around him that said, you're better than him. And rather than kind of chasing maybe his destiny of multiple world titles, at a certain point, he just kind of obsessed over Amir Khan and kind of followed the Khan path in his prime where it was like, how do I make the most money as opposed to legacy? And I think that's the frustrating part is we looked at Kell Brook as someone that could achieve a lot for British boxing. And instead he was kind of just a moment in time, a guy who made money, but a guy who didn't really make a huge impact. He had an incredible moment. And then he had a couple of moments we'll remember, but kind of in the wrong way. 
so before I move on, I just want to make it clear to the people that are listening, uh, to our listeners, that I'm not a hater of Kell Brook whatsoever. It might sound it. I'm thinking back of what I've said so far, and people think, bloody hell, Sean really doesn't like Kell Brook. It's frustration, guys. It's absolute frustration of, I feel like Kell Brook could have gone on to do so much more, and I just think the wrong decisions were made for him. And I've always said this, and it's frustration, because I wanted to see him do well. I cheered for him. I, I was happy when he beat Sean Porter. I was happy he went over there, and he took the title away from him. I was happy to see him do that. I wanted to see him beat Errol Spence. I thought he would. I thought he would come back after that Golovkin loss, and I honestly thought he would come back and win, and he didn't. And I've always supported him as a British fighter. But, you know, after that point, after that Errol Spence point, and he started coming back and having all these fights, and I thought, you know, these are sort of average opponents. Why is he fighting? Why is he not Even going the straight Porter back? Fight. After the Porter fight, he goes back to Britain, and there's like two or three fights where like the world stopped watching. And it was kind of like, why didn't you have one fight before the Golovkin fight? Even if it's like a kind of a tune-up, get a name in there where like the world watches. It's kind of like... Uh, Jaime Munguia. The world isn't watching Jaime Munguia. UK is not setting the alarm clocks to watch Jaime Munguia. Kel Brook had all of America wanting to see him, and he just kind of went to the Europe and fought Jojo Dan, and it was kind of, like, weird. Yeah. Well, I've had enough of uh, bashing a little bit on Brook here. Overall, I, en- I did enjoy the fight. It was an entertaining fight, as I thought it might have turned out to be, given the decline of both fighters. And we'll see what happens next for Kel Brook. But I just really want to pick your brains on the rest of the card. Then we're seeing Tasha Jonas actually pick up the world title, stopping Chris Namus in two rounds. And I was quite happy to see her do that. I think she finally got her her just desserts. Uh, but the one interesting thing about that fight, or at the aftermath of that fight, is they had Hannah Rankin in Sky Sports Studios doing a bit of punditry. Now, Hannah Rankin, I believe, holds the IBO version in the same division. I'm getting the feeling that maybe they, they, they're setting this fight up as a, as a future fight for, for maybe, you know, the two titles being on the line. I mean, you know better than me. Like, I don't really know. I think it's nice Tasha Jonas wins a title. Good personality, beloved British fighter. I think a pioneer up there with Nicola Adams in women's boxing, especially in the UK. It's good. Let's get her a couple of fights before she wants to call it a day. Let's try to make the most of it. You know, she fought someone that took the fight on a couple of weeks notice, stops him. Not mad at it. No, no, I'm not mad at it. I mean, obviously, I would have preferred the original fight, as we mentioned in the preview, but... You know, uh, Chris Namas wasn't a complete slouch. She wasn't, uh, you know, uh, just someone they completely plucked out of obscurity. But it was it was sort of made for Tasha Jonas to win that world title. I think it kind of got set up that way a little bit from, from my perspective. But I'm happy she's done it. It couldn't have happened to a nice person. She's a really nice person. She's done a lot for for British boxing when it comes to the to the younger generation of females wanting to be at the next Natasha Jonas. You know, people like her and Katie Taylor, uh, Nicola Adams, as you rightly pointed out, and then the next crop of, of British female fighters that are coming through. You know, these are these are the people that the girls are looking up to, and it gives them the confidence to go in the gym and, and think, you know, I can be the next Katie Taylor or I can be the next Tasha Jonas. So her winning a world title does wonders for, for the female side of the sport for me. Uh, but we'll see where she goes from here. I'm interested to see what you thought of Bradley Ray. I mentioned Bradley Ray in the preview. What did you think of his... I felt like that. Do you know what that felt like when someone told you about a band when you're a kid and then the band has a radio song like an album later, but you got in right before it felt like you kind of gave me like a good tip on like a soda or something that the supermarket doesn't quite have enough of before everyone's buying it out of stock. 
Uh, I love it. I'm, I don't know what his ceiling is, but he's a very solid UK fighter, and I'm all in. I'm going to be watching all of his fights. I actually think that he deserves more praise than he's getting. But, hey, people don't really watch boxing beyond the top two cards, so that's what it is. About the rest of the card, then? I mean, did you have any thoughts on the rest of it? I didn't think it was... I'll give you mine first. I don't think it was that fantastic, to be honest with you. Um, and I suppose it opens the, the whole pay-per-view can of worms again. Uh, that We've had this conversation recently as well, and I think... I wouldn't have justified this as a pay-per-view because, yeah, Khan and Brooke, you've got these names. I don't think it, it deserved the mantelpiece of a pay-per-view. And secondly, the undercard was, wasn't very good. Barring one or two fights and one or two standout fighters on the card, it, some of the fights weren't well matched whatsoever. And it was... It was crazy. It upsets me when this happens, and it happens quite a lot because I think to myself, there's potential to make some some brilliant fights on a, on a great stage. And the Manchester Arena was packed out. It was it was packed out. If you look on Facebook, there's even a, there was even some better fights in the crowd than they were in in the actual ring on the night. It was it was quite crazy. There was like quite a few people. Uh, scrapping in the crowd as well on on Saturday night, but overall it was a sort of below par pay-per-view for me, but the main fight I suppose is what we we came to talk about and you know did it did it deliver? I suppose for entertainment it did. You mentioned about what do I want to see, sports or or entertainment. It definitely delivered on an entertainment level. I mean, the only thing that stood out to me was Big Frage, Fraser Clark get beaten a bare knuckle fighter turning pro who basically seemed happy to just get a ticket to the fight and he had to fight <laughs> Fraser Clark. Kind of robbed Frazier of a, a interesting debut. I'm curious to see how he moves along because I'm totally eyeballing him as like a Sky Sports boxing pundit for like the next 20 years as like a guy who just interviews fighters. So I'm I'm charting his progress. But I mean, isn't this kind of boxing in 2022 like scummy business practices of um of nothing? You know, like they're just they're not. Like, we're just going to throw at you a product. We think you'll pay and whatever, you know, I mean, I don't think any sport, but especially boxing is not a value laden place anymore. We're not, we're not, they're not giving us the Kelbrook. What was it? Frankie Gavin. What was mm -hmm. the, the yep. fight where it was like Anthony Joshua, Kevin Johnson, Jorge Linares, Kevin Mitchell. You're not getting these kind of cards anymore. You're just getting okay, who's available, Who who's willing to take it at this budget point, and then let's put a main event we think people will buy. Let's charge maybe 10 to $15 more than we think it should be, so then if nobody's buying it, we kind of break even. That's where we're at with boxing right now. Yeah, it is. It's a sad state of affairs, really. Uh, I mean, there'll be, there'll be many, many, many pay-per-views in the future that will do exactly the same, and it'll leave us feeling exactly the same. Uh, but for now, that's another conversation for another day because I'm sure we'll have many more of these types of conversations when it comes down to some of the poor business acumen uh, of certain individuals uh, within the sport. Uh, it was interesting to see the uh, the aftermath of all this, I think, more than anything. I, I, I've liked the fact that a lot of people in the boxing fraternity have actually come out and supported Khan and give him so much credit regardless of what you think his performance was like on Saturday night and how easy it was for Kelbrook to seemingly finish the fight for him and, and play around with him throughout, throughout the rounds 
I honestly feel like it's good that we give him the respect and, 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 and obviously stamp that on his name because he deserved it. And if, if it wasn't for Amir Khan, British boxing in 2004, 2005 wouldn't have took that, that next step with someone like a Khan because, you know, at the time we had Ricky Hatton, he was like the biggest star in, in the UK. But Amir Khan comes out with a silver medal from the 2004 Olympics and there's all this hype around him and it was it was between him and Hatton and Calzaghe uh, and a few other a few other names of of British boxing that that really started to push push the envelope a little bit for us as as UK fight fans so I think we need to give him respect He's, he fought I think it was 10 or 11 current former or future world champions throughout his career he's a two-weight world champion I think we, we need to applaud him for, for what he achieved in his career. And as I, like I said earlier, given his obvious fragilities and that chink in his armour, i.e. his chin, for him to be able to do what he's done throughout his career, I think was quite impressive. And, you know, I'm taking my hat off to him quite literally. I, I'm really happy that he's he's finally looking at calling it a day. And I'll just be really interested now to see where, where Kelbrook does go and maybe in a few months' time we'll be having another conversation about his next fight and, and where we see it at that point. But I've enjoyed I've enjoyed having you back on again for this reaction show to uh, to Amir Khan, Kel Brook. I just wanted to know if you had any final thoughts on Amir Khan and his impending retirement. Well, I think that my final thing was going to be like a little speech. And it, it's that it's kind of poetic that like Lenaris and Amir Khan's careers kind of end on the same night in a way. Maybe they take one more fight, but they really ended on the same night. And when I think of Amir Khan, I think of courage looking back because a lot of times his chin couldn't hold up to what was coming back at him, but he never really looked for a way out. Part of why people would say he had a, a terrible chin was he'd fight till the bitter end and his body couldn't take it, but he'd still courageously fight. And when I think of Jorge Linares, it was the cuts. The cuts would accumulate and it was that of a warrior. And I think in the modern era, as time goes on, people are going to remember these guys more fondly, even though they were so critical of them in the time, because they really gave a lot to the sport. And I think what we're looking for in this new era and why some fighters aren't catching on is we're not seeing this type of courage or warrior spirit with modern fighters. We're getting a lot of business and all this other stuff, but we're not seeing guys lay it on the line. And these are two fighters who even at the end of their career, they really fought for the fans. They made a lot of money, and then they always gave an honest effort. And that's a really good place to end this episode, I think, Luke. It's a pleasure to have you on. Again, if anybody's not already followed Luke, you can at ITR Boxing and at Luke Boxing on Twitter. It's been a pleasure having your wonderful insight for this reaction show. I'm looking forward to getting back with you soon uh, for doing some more content. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, for everybody else who's listening to us. You know where to follow us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Big thanks to all them patrons as well, of course, out there for supporting us throughout this journey. Thanks for listening to this episode and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.